able to speak. They haven't let me speak here in the last few weeks. Isn't that a bummer? No, but I, I just want to say uh, I'm, I'm really, really uh, glad to be back here. Uh, and if you're a guest here today, I want to tell you how excited uh, we are to have you here in our church. If this is your first time, you could not have picked a better day to come because we're going to take push pause on a regular scheduled uh, series or things that we normally do. And we're going to have a one-off message today to talk about exactly what you saw on the screen. Uh, our, our lessons today is called Engage. And uh, we're not going to ask you to be engaged or anything, but this is, this is a conversation. If you're here as a guest, you get to look behind the curtain of our church and see what we're all about. And if you're looking for a church, uh, today we're going to kind of speed date you. Uh, so you're going to know exactly what we're all about, who we are, what's our, you know, nothing's going to be, you know, hidden. You know, what's this church up to? You're going to know today uh, exactly what we're up to. Uh, and, and you may not like it, you know, that's okay, but you're going to know everything today. You know, have you ever sat in the second row uh, or sat to a, at a table next to people that are having an intense conversation and you get to listen in? Don't you like to do that? Well, if you're a guest here today, you get to do that today. Because I'm going to have a conversation with our members, uh, you know, as if we're sitting at a coffee table and, and, and you and I members of the Lighthouse Church, we're going to have a conversation today. And you guys that are guests, you get to listen in, you know, and then you get to think, man, that was, that was intense, that was cool, that was this, there was that, okay? But uh, that's what, what today's going to be all about. But I want to thank, before we move on, I want to thank our speakers uh, for the last four weeks that did uh, Breathing Room. What an incredible series that was. G gave me a lot to think about uh, personally. And I uh, appreciate, you know, Chris Boyer, uh, he, did, he did the lion's share, and also Anthony and, and uh, Mike, who did last week. And uh, I, I just think they're our future, and, and I'm feeling really great about our future. But listen, I'm not done yet, okay? <laughs> so uh, today I want to I wanna have a little uh, time. But, uh, you know, this whole lesson today came about as a series of conversations that I had this summer with a couple of people, a couple of key members and uh, we were talking, and they, they said something to me that I, I didn't quite expect to hear from them, you know. And I, I do my best to try to, you know, weigh in and get a pulse of what's happening in our church, how people are doing and what they're feeling. But these, these questions that they threw at me, I, I don't hear that that much. And it, it threw me for a loop. And, and I wanted to, to share with you the question that these guys asked me. This is what they said. They said, what can we do? Now, I don't hear this question a lot because normally the question that I, I normally hear is, uh, why did we do this? Why are we doing this? Why did you say this? Why don't we do this? You know, I get a lot of those questions. But rarely do I get somebody that will come and say, what can we do? What can we do? And it's for a, for a loop. And I was like, wow, that, that's an interesting question. And so that's what led to today's message, is this question. So I'm going to ask you today to, to play along with me a little bit, okay? And, and we're all going to ask this question. And you, you might say, well, I could care less, but I'm, I, want you, I want you to, you know, kind of just go along with me. And on the count of three, we're going to ask this question together, okay? You ready? And, and, and here's what you're going to say. Peter, what can we do? Ready? Are you with me? Even, on, even online, you guys that are online, it's great to have you online, the podcast. You know, you, you may be driving your car. You may be watching in front of your computer. I want you to, you, you to say it too. Say it to your computer. And if somebody in the next room hears you, you think you're weird and you're talking to yourself, but that's okay. But let's, let's do this together. Ready? On the count of three. Peter, what can we do? Ready? One, two, three. Peter, what can we do? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked that question. And I want to answer that question. But before I answer that question, I want to tell you the significance of that question. And the significance of what we do as a church. Because it's huge. And I don't know if you know this, but we're, we're living in a time, you know, in, in our history. And, and what these two uh, individuals, key members in our church, what they were saying was this. 
I love our church and I love what it's done to my marriage and I love what it's doing to my kids. And so therefore, I'm, I'm so fired up about what God is doing here through our church. What can I do? What can we do to help further what we're doing? What I've received, I wanna see more people have that opportunity. And that's where that question came from, an overflow of gratitude. And I want you guys to know because every week we get to hear people that come forward here and they give their testimony of how much their life has changed significantly. And you and I are a part of this. And I don't know if you know this, but church in America is changing. The landscape is changing. In fact, there's, there's a spiritual interest in America, but that spiritual interest has nothing to do with traditional church. People are less interested in traditional church than any other time in our history, particularly young people. So you and, have, you and I have an opportunity to leverage our influence. And what we're doing is our mission and our, our vision, our vision as a church is we want to create a church for people that don't go to church. You know, if you don't normally go to church, we're all about trying to make a church and create a church for you. Because right now there's a crisis that people aren't interested in going to church because what they've experienced in the past has turned them off. And we're going to talk about that today. But it's so significant what we've been doing. In the last three years, we've seen 120 people added to our membership. That's awesome. But it's not just a number. It's people. It's individuals. And you hear them. Today you're going to hear somebody else who's going to come forward and they're going to tell you how their life was changed because of Jesus and because of what we to do together as a church. You know, and it's not just about our community, West Covina and the surrounding cities. This is about our country. This is about our, our family of churches. And what I do is I, I, uh, I share with people what we're doing. I share what's happening. And this is a big deal what we're going to talk about today. And what we're doing as a church, creating a church for people that don't go to church is huge right now in our world. And so I, I want you to know that. And when people ask me, what are you doing in your church? Guess what I tell them? I tell them what you're doing. I tell them what our children's ministry is doing. I tell them what our guys in the back, they come here and, and we had a guy here from Mexico and he went back there and he, sit, he sat there back there with the guys and he was blown away at our volunteers and all the things, the wiring, everything that goes on to engage people who come to church. Amen. You know, when children go to church uh, downstairs in the children's ministry and they like their classes and they want to come back, they, they're the ones, instead of parents dragging kids to church, the kids are dragging parents to church because they like their classes so much. But that's, that's intentional. We, we want that. People work really hard at creating those environments. And so it's what we do as a church that makes a huge difference because we want people to walk through those doors and like what they see and feel engaged and with what God is teaching them in a practical way. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I'm going to ask you today to do one thing, one word, and that word is engage. Because some of you here today are fully engaged. In fact, I love to get here, you know, early in the morning and go downstairs and talk to our teachers and see their bright faces ready to go on a Sunday morning saying, hey, I'm here ready to give. I love to walk in here and see these guys in the back. They're fully engaged. There's so many members that are fully engaged. And there's some of you who are mildly engaged. But there are some of you today that are disengaged. And if we're going to do this, if we're going to be serious about what we're doing as a church, and we're going to influence other churches to do the same thing, it's going to, it's going to ask of us, all of us need to be fully engaged. And so we're going to ask you today to, to step forward. And let's look at a passage here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Look at this verse, what it says here, how God wants to use his church. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, in the New Living Version, it says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom 
in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What does God want to do with his church? He wants to use his church. In other words, he wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us corporately together. And too often we don't understand that. We're here and we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're a guest, although we've been here a long time. We don't see it. And, and what I'm going to invite you today is this is something that, that is different, that's happening in the corporate world, that's happening all over. Some of you guys think that I'm the leader here and you work for me. You don't work for me. You and I work together. We work together. I work side by side with you. In fact, I would not have a job if it weren't for you. And I tell people that all the time, our volunteers. I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for you. I would not have a job, and all of our other ministers would not have a job. This is not a one-man show. This is not a, a few-men show. This is a, this is a team, and what we do together is we collaborate. You know what this word means? This means we work together. We partner, you and I. And yes, we have different roles. We have different responsibilities, but without each other, we can't do this. And this is our vision. This is our vision as a church. If you want to know what we're up to, we are creating a church for people who don't go to church. That's what we're about. That's our wheelhouse. That's what we want to do. You know why we do that? Because it's the great majority of our population. They don't go to church. You think of all the churches that you drive by in our community. Do you know who they're there for? Do you know what most churches are for? Who they serve? They're a church for people that go to church. So if you don't go to church, you're going to walk into that church and you're going to go, I don't fit in here. I don't get the music. I don't get the lesson. I don't, the, my kids, they feel left out because this is like this close-knit group. And I believe this is a change that not, not only needs to happen in our region, it needs to happen all over because this is what Jesus wanted to do. This is what God wants to do. God wants to, he wants to change the world through the church. He doesn't want churches to become these closed clubs where nobody outside can come in because you're not good enough. You're not holy enough. That's not what Jesus intended. So I'm inviting you today to work with us and engage. And specifically, we're going to talk about four areas today. If you want to know what we're talking about today in this word, engage. We're going to talk about connect, serve, give, and invite. That's what it's going to take. These, these are the four areas that I want to talk to you about today. As my brothers and sisters that we're going to do together. These four areas. So let's look at the first one. When I say connect, I mean connect in a group. Our, our, our church is all about not sitting in rows, although we're sitting in rows today. The core of Christianity is all about small groups. In fact, we ask every single one of our members be a member and be a part of a small group, even our teens. You guys are starting something new this fall. You changed the name, but it's the same. What, what's the name of your small groups this, this, this fall? Anybody know in the teens, Mike? Tribes. I was hoping your teens would know, but tribes. They call it something different, but it's a circle. And we have a phrase here in the church, circles are better than rows. Say it with me together. Circles are better than rows. See, this is Christianity. Christianity at its core is about this teaching, one another. See, before Jesus showed up on the scene, when people wanted to worship their gods, you know, of all kinds, you know, the, 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 the polytheists and they had their gods, they would take an offering and present it to their God. It would be gold or it would be an animal. It's some, in some cases, crazy, crazy religion. They would offer up their children as sacrifices to their gods. Jesus came along and said, it's not about that anymore. The level of devotion that you're going to have to your God is all about this, one another. In fact, this is what Jesus said in John 13, verse 34. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must do what? Love one another. If you want to know how your, your relationship with God is going, look over your shoulder. 
Look to your side, look to your right and to your left. Look this week at your small group and see what's the quality of your relationships with people. There you will see the level of devotion to your God. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, by this, by what? By this, you will know that you are my disciples if you do what? Christianity is all about one another. See, and it's very hard to be one another in this setting, isn't it? I mean, can you have a relationship with somebody that's in the back? I mean, some of you don't even know each other. It's impossible. It's impossible for me to have a relationship, but I'm a part of a small group. In fact, I lead a small group and, and you know, we have a relationship with each other. I know what's going on in their lives for the most part. They know what's going on in my life. In fact, I share with them this week, you know, some of the things that are happening in my life, the changes that are going on in my life. But it's impossible to do that on a, on a big scale. So what we do during the week and in our family life ministry and even in our teen ministry, we break up into small groups. And so we encourage people to be a part of this, to be a part. And guess, where, guess who started this whole idea of small groups? The first century church right after Jesus. Look what they did. How often did they go to church, by the way? Huh, wow, Really? Look what it says here, Acts chapter 2. This was the pattern of life of the first century followers of Jesus. Look what it says here. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together where? In their homes. And they ate together. Now, isn't that the reason why you go to small group anyway? Let me tell you, my small group, the salsa is off the hook. I mean, we got a brother in our small group, Julio, and he's a chef, and he makes some salsa that'll, man, will make your ears turn red. I mean, it's awesome. I look forward to the salsa. I'm saying, Julio, it's so great. Where's the salsa? No. But, but, you know, that's what they did in the first century. They met together in their homes. And some of you have this idea that, that your Christianity is about showing up once in a while to church and sitting in rows. That is not Christianity. That's what men have done. Men have taken Christianity and they want to put people in rows. And they want to make it this way instead of this way. See, and the only reason why we meet in rows on Sunday is it's, it's nice to come together, but the, the core, and here's how, here's how important this is. What if this place burnt down? You got all these wildfires going on, right? California. What, what if there was a fire and this place burnt down? And then make it worse. Let's just make it as bad as possible. Let, let's just say that all of our staff were, were driving together from point A to point B and we were in a car accident and we were killed, all of us. No staff, no building. What happens to the church? What happens on Monday? What happens on Tuesday? What happens on Wednesday? I can tell you, most of our members would get together in their small group on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Saturday, Friday, depending upon they get together. The church would continue in their small groups. See, and that needs to be the goal for all of us, to be a part of a small group. So that's what it means. If you're not a part of a small group, I, wanna, I want you to come and talk to me afterwards, and, and we'll hook you up. We'll get you in a tribe. We'll get you in a small group. And if you're too scared to talk to me afterwards, I get that. I get that. Hey, you can look on the back of our bulletin and you can call somebody that's related to your ministry. You can call them on the phone. You can send them a text message. I want to get in a small group. I want to practice true, real Christianity in a circle versus a row. Okay, so the next thing, we got connect and then we got serve on a team. Serve on a team. What does that mean? What's that all about? Everything you see that goes on in our church is a part of a, some kind of team on a Sunday that they're serving in some capacity. In fact, this is one of three services that we've got going on today. At 12.30, we've got a, serv a service en español. Para los que hablan la idioma de Dios. Okay? Because we have a high percentage population of people who no hablo inglés, solo español. So we need a service for them, Right? And they're fired up. They don't want to come to your English service, gringos. 
Okay? It's not racism. It's a cultural thing. Right? But every one of these services, everything that goes on on Sunday depends on a team of service. Let me break it down for you. These are the service teams that go on Sunday. Guest services. These are all the people that serve, the, 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 uh, the ushers, as we call them, but we like to call them guest services. Uh, and I'm going to show you some pictures. But we also got our children's, youth, and teen ministry. Okay? And then our production team. Those are the guys in the back that you can barely see the top of their head. Some of them you can't even see them. But they make sure everything runs smoothly here. It's, it's our, our, our band. It's our, our, all these people that are making sure that we get the quality, we get the experience that we get. And it starts very early in the morning. And so let me break it down. Let me show you some of the, the faces. Guest services, what do these people do? These, these people, some of them, we only have two, but we want to have more. Because where does the lesson start? Where does the church experience start? It starts in the parking lot. Have you ever been to an event and there was somebody standing outside the parking lot with a, with, a, with a vest and one of those, those neon orange things, and they're waving you in. What does it feel like when you get somewhere and somebody's doing that? It, number one, you know you're not lost, and they're, they're expecting you. They welcome you. They help you park. They help you find a, a place to, to park. And then and, and usually people that are in the guest service, and you don't want any mad, angry, nasty people. <laughs> These are friendly people friendly people to welcome those who are arriving to church. We want them to feel welcome. That's huge. Do you realize that people have come to our church and have said, I felt so welcome and I've been to a lot of churches and, and, and I don't feel that everywhere. That's on purpose. I mean, we tell our guest services people, hey, you, you've got a responsibility to make people feel welcome. It may be their only experience to see God that's how important guest services is. It starts in the parking lot. So we are in the process, and I'm talking to a couple of brothers about the possibility of them stepping forward to starting a whole new guest services team called the parking attendants. Let me show you, let me show you a, a shot. Here's one right here. Parking attendant right out there on the street. I don't know if you saw him there today, but this is one of our parking guest services attendants. Isn't it, isn't it awesome? You know, we had one woman who came to church and she was driving down, you know, Temple Way here, and, and she saw the Temple Ami Shalom on the top, but she didn't look down and saw the Lighthouse Church. So guess what she thought? She was confused. Is this the spot? And so she drove around a little bit, made her feel, what if she'd have gone home? Now, she persevered and she drove in. But we could have eliminated all that if we'd have had somebody out there on the street, you know, and there more signage, more, more people welcoming, saying, this is the spot, you've come, here it is, and helping them find a parking spot. If you're a guest, wouldn't that be awesome? Then we've got these people, you know, down the bottom of the, next to the dumpster, you know. <laughs> this is another, another brother. This is down by the dung gate, uh, the, the, the gate down below. But he helps people to go to the lower parking lot if their upper parking lot is, is filled. So there's nothing, you, you know. And this is the people that, that serve you every Sunday morning. They get here early. They're there with their trays. You know, we appreciate them. You know, but our church wouldn't be the same without these people. You know, and I appreciate them. They, they, they're there every Sunday. They love what they do. And then this is for our evening service. We've got the same setup for our evening service. These are the people that serve in guest services in our evening service. We have between 160 and 130 people that come at 530 to our 530 service. Now, we do not have a children's ministry in our evening service yet because it's mostly for singles and college students. But we want to see that happen in the future. But, you know, with that, I want to ask you a question in the guest services. Are you a host or are you a guest? Are you a host or a guest? Because in reality, if you're a member of this church, shouldn't you see yourself as a host? But some of you have this identity crisis. You've been a part of our church for seven, eight, ten years. Ten years and you still think you're a guest. How do you know if you're a guest? Well, you kind of stroll in, 
15, 20, 30 minutes late going, hey, I'm here. I'm here, everybody. I've arrived. Where's a seat? Can you show me a seat? I mean, really? Are you serious about our mission? Are you serious about changing people's lives if you still think you're a guest? And it makes a difference. Let me tell you, it makes a difference at 930 when there's only 40 or 50 people here. And the reason why you get here late, not once, and I understand, I'm late sometimes, you know, we're not perfect, Latin time, I get that. <laughs> but not every Sunday, not every week, and not, not two, three minutes, not 15, 20, 30 minutes. And then some of you are not even here because you think, well, if I'm here or not, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It matters if you're here on time. Because it communicates something. You know, we talked about this. I, I had an experience not too long ago. We invited some people over for dinner. Now, would you invite somebody over for dinner and show up late? If you're hosting them? I mean, wouldn't that be rude? They're at the door, ding dong, nobody's there. Nobody's there. And they're looking at their watch and they're checking their calendars. Is this the right day? Is this the right time? I mean, that would be really bad, wouldn't it? Well, I got to tell you a story because this happened to us. Now, we weren't late. We were there. Dinner was ready. But I was out in the side of the house in the patio with, with a brother having an appointment. And my wife was getting ready. And she thought that I was going to hear the door and go to the door. And then I thought she was going to hear the door and go to the door. Guess what? Our guests came to the house for dinner and nobody opened the door. It was embarrassing. So they waited, they checked their watches, they told this whole story and they're like, is this the right day? Is this the right time? No, it's right here on the text. It says it right here, this day, this time. And so they rang again and finally, you know, Laura comes out and she says, Peter, I thought you were gonna get the door. And I said, well, I thought you were gonna get the door. And so we apologized, we're like, oh, we're so sorry, this is so bad. And they were forgiving, you know, but you don't wanna do that all the time, right? So can I, can, I, can I let some of you know, you need to stop being a guest. You've been a member of our family for a long time. And I would appreciate if you would welcome our guests. And the reason why you can get here late is because you don't feel a responsibility. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you, it does. It does. You are important. You're, it matters if you're here. So change that mindset. And you can have some nice talks in your small group this week about this very thing. Because I know it goes on. And we're all guilty. But let's change it together. Here's our, our children's and youth ministry service team. Okay, i got to talk about this because this is important. Most of us here today, we grew up and some of us went to church. What was church for you when you were growing up as a kid? Boring. It was for me. Let me tell you. I grew up in a traditional church. It was boring. Boring with a capital B. You know, we spiced it up in our church. We, we, my brothers and I, we would poke fun at each other. We got in trouble every Sunday for trying to have fun in church. Because it was super boring. Stand up, sit down, kneel down, get up, stop, move around. But it was boring. The guy, the guy, the guy who spoke was a monotone. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, and I was just boom, boom. And then we had... We had children's classes, right? And, and then you had this lady, you know, with a ruler, and she was like, and God and the Bible. And like, no, no. You know? It was not a good experience. And no wonder, no wonder when I got out of the house, I stopped going to church. But I was still very interested in God. And, and this whole idea... Most people think God is boring because of the experience that they had at church. Our children's ministry, they work really hard to make sure that God is not boring and that the Bible is not boring. In fact, we try to do that here in the churches. We try to make church fun and exciting, and it's okay to track and crack a joke. There are people out there that think, no, you've got to be solemn and quiet you can't, you can't whisper, you can't move, you can't laugh because you've got to be reverent to God. 
Who said that? Now, let me tell you about Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was off the hook. You never knew what he was going to say. You never knew what he was going to do. There were miracles. There were people rolling around with demons. And Jesus said, get out. And they were healed. And you go, wow. And there was free food in Jesus' ministry. There was free medicine in Jesus' ministry. And then the disciples would get challenged in front of everybody. I mean, it was an awesome situation. They met in some incredible places. All over the place they met. Jesus' ministry was not boring, nor should our ministry be boring. Church is not boring. It should not be boring. It should be something where, and we work hard at this. Our children's teachers, they work really, really hard. People like Robert Lickfelt and BBS, man, this guy is crazy. I come to VBS to find out what Robert's going to do next. And then we got, we got some of our young people, they're up here dancing, doing the thing and this and the other thing. I mean, that's awesome. Our kids come to church and they see that and they say, God is not boring. Church is not boring. They got music videos with guitars and all this stuff. That's what church needs to be. But we need your help in doing that. We need teachers today to sign up to help. And you know you got that gear to help children. These are our t- children's ministry. And I, I got I to gotta boast on our teens because just this year, just this year, there are about 30, it takes about 34 people to make our children's ministry go every Sunday. Okay? That's a lot of people. Teachers, security, all that. Of these 34 people, nine of them are teens. Way to go, guys. Okay? If, if you were a kid and you saw a teen as your teacher, you'd go, man, that, this is cool. Not some, some I'm not going to say it. Okay? Older person, okay, like I saw growing up. And this, this is our youth ministry, okay? These are our, 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 our middle schoolers, you know? And there, there's a whole other ministry. This is our teen ministry awesome team ministry. You know, Ralph, Ralph talked about this. We need volunteers to go to camp. We need volunteers to come and be shepherds, not chaperones, shepherds and help engage with the teens, you know, help with some of their groups. But this is an investment in our future. Do you know, I asked some of our kids this morning, I said, what do you think? Is our team ministry boring? Is Tuesday night boring? And for the most part, they said, no, it's not boring. I look forward to it. And you know why people look forward to it? Because Mike and Ayumi work hard at making it fun, engaging, and exciting. Now, now here's the boring people, okay? These are the, these are the technicians. These are the guys. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are not boring, okay? Not boring. But there you go. See? Here, turn, the, turn the TV off. See? Okay, I may, I, may, I may have turned my own TV off. Okay, here it comes. Please wait. But let me just say, our music ministry, these guys have worked hard. They've actually had to step up because Jamie Sablodnik's been, uh, you know, been sick and had a heart condition. So these guys have had to step up and, and basically help and serve. They get, to, they get together and practice during the week so that they can perform these songs for you. Uh, I appreciate so much. And we've made a transition. We're trying to make music that is a little bit more relatable. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you like the old school stuff. But I've got I to help you understand. Bring a friend with you and see how they like the old school stuff. They may like it. Most of them are like, what was that? And what time is this going to end? Okay? Uh, we've got guys that are, that are working on broadcasting. We've got an online thing. People are watching online because they set this thing up. It's recorded. You can watch the service from the other side of the world when people travel, when people are sick and shut in. They can watch our service online because members stepped forward and said, I'm going to make this platform happen. We've got an awesome website with a newsletter and, and information that you need to know right there. But that's because people have stepped forward and helped that. Uh, you know, and, and 
And also, we've got people that want to step up and do more with connecting people online because people are looking for church, not out and about in the street. Guess where they're looking for church? Online. Everything happens online. So we've got some people talking about, let's start a web ministry so we can help people connect with our church. These production teams, and I tell them this, and this is true, I could not do what I do without them. And this is our, our worship team. And this is the guys in the back that, that they're here every morning. And I, and I appreciate them so much. They get here at 7 a.m. They clean up on top of setup because they have parties here on Saturday night and the place does not look right. It doesn't smell right. And they make sure that this place is, is presentable for you so you can come here and be here. Uh, I tell these guys all the time, I could not do what I do without you. And we want to do more. But we need more people to help with this, this team. Okay? And, and let me just break it down for you before we move to this. We've got, in these service teams, we've got basically 20% of our membership doing 80% of the work. How does that feel? to do 80% of the work if you're only 20%. It's not right, is it? So I'm asking you today to figure out what team you're going to be a part of. But if you're a member of our church, I'm saying you need to step forward and help us fulfill our mission. What would our children's ministry be like if there was a waiting list to sign up and get on the, mission, on the team to help our children? No, 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 sorry, you can't serve in the children's ministry because we've got a waiting list. It's full. Wouldn't that be awesome? They said, no, well, I, I, I got to serve in the children's ministry. Okay, well, you got to wait. Can you serve in another ministry? Yeah, I'll do that in the meantime. What would that be like? Instead of having to call people, you know, a week before and say, hey, will you serve? No, I can't. I just did. And, and this is what we go through on a weekly basis. It's not right for Jesus, for our children. It's not right. Come on, guys. Now, if you're a guest here, you're going, yeah, this is cool. They're they're having a talk, right? (laughs) But seriously, okay, we get our laundry out in front of everybody, all right, on a Sunday morning. All right, so the third thing, percentage giving. Percentage giving. What are we talking about here? We've talked about this before, giving 1.0 and giving 2.0. See, because everything we do here in this church relies on the offerings of people that give to our church. Now, we do two types. Once a year, we do a missions contribution. And you look on the back of our newsletter, you're going to see exactly what we give on a weekly basis and what we gave this year to missions. Not only to Mexico and Central America, but we gave missions to the Southwest in Tucson, Arizona. They started a new mission church there, and we help support that. We're helping to support our campus intern that's going to be starting this fall. There's a lot of things that happen, but our missions contribution is called Giving 1.0. Giving 1.0 is intervention giving. It solves a problem, and it's very emotional. How, how, what, is, what, is, what does 1.0 look like? I could put a picture of an orphan girl in Africa that would melt your heart, and you go, I want to give $9.95. That is giving 1.0. And we typically, most Americans give 1.0 giving. There's an emotional need, there's a plea, there's a problem, so let's give to that problem. But this is giving 2.0. Giving 2.0 is prevention. Is prevention. That means you give to an organization like our church on a regular basis, week in and week out, without fail, and you give a tithe, you give a percentage of your income each week because we got lights Who's going to pay for the lights? Who's going to pay for the facility? Who's going, to, who's going to do this? It's not sexy giving, but it's essential. It's essential giving. And believe it or not, giving 2.0, it prevents problems, and it's very intentional, it's consistent, but 2.0 changes the world. Most of the organizations that are changing the world today are done by not emotional givers, but people who give intentionally, week in and week out, rain or shine, they're going to give. And I want to tell you, we started a series in, in June, and you can look at our newsletter and see this. We did the treasure principle, and you guys have responded heroically. Our giving has gone way up. 
on a weekly basis. And that frees up our financial committee to say, yes, we can do more. And so I want to encourage you because typically what happens is after a series like that, it goes up, 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 and then it starts to slide. You know, as Christmas comes along, you start to ask your question, hey, am I going to give to the church or am I going to give to who? Myself, because I need it. Okay, so I want to encourage you. This is, this is huge that we do this. A healthy local church is a great investment because it, it's preventative. It stops marriages from splitting up. It stops families from splitting up. Many of you are living examples of that. You were brought out of the throes of a potential divorce, a potential family coming undone. It heals divorcees and gives them another shot at doing it right this time. I mean, we had two weeks ago, we had a wedding right here of a, of a train wreck and how God put it back together again and brought a family back together again. That's what this church do. It keeps people from having the problems in the first place because of God and because of what we do. So other organizations, and I want you guys to know, we do both. We do giving 1.0 and we give giving 2.0. But the most important, the best investment you can make is giving 2.0. All right, the last thing is invite a friend. Invite a friend. My biggest concern for our church is not our contribution, is not our service teams and, and you getting here early or late. Our, my biggest concern for our church is, is that we're going to become an inward-focused church. Historically speaking, you know what the tendency of the local church is? Is that people get comfortable with their groups. In fact, I talk to people a lot of times, hey, how about if we split your group? No, we can't split our group. It's my group. I've been with them since 1986. That's the problem. No, 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 no. Guys, we gotta move our groups so that more people can reach more places. And we think, you know, yeah, a couple of years to be together as a group, but after that, it's time to start thinking. Groups grow. People need to, to, to move forward, they get comfortable. And, and, and the location, we like at one location, hey, we got to branch out. There's places where we need small groups. But here's one of the concerns. The gravitational pull of every church is towards keeping people versus reaching people. This is, this is the law of church in the United States of America, even all over the world. The gravitational pull is churches tend to turn in on themselves. We become a club. And we forget there are people out there just like you who have no opportunity to make the changes that you've made because there's no focus on them. And we don't want to be that church. And you guys that are teens, there needs to be more families because of you that get an opportunity. And teens can change families. We've seen that happen. So we want to be focused on reaching people, not just keeping people. Now, let me share with you this story about reaching people. Now, you'll be able to relate. Jesus. Jesus came upon this guy named Philip. He was one of the apostles. He said, hey, Philip, come follow me. And Philip said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. But can I go get a friend? And this is what happened here. Philip found Nathaniel, his good buddy. And he told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. We found the Messiah. He was excited, wasn't he? But as a friend Nathaniel, let's look at what his friend Nathaniel said. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Ever had a friend that you've invited that responded like that? Church, you want to invite me to what? Church? Oh, yeah, you guys are part of that Lighthouse Church. Isn't that the part of the ICOC, the LAICC? I've heard about you guys. You know, there's something about you guys. You've got a history, don't you? Can anything good come from the LAICC? Can anything good come from the Lighthouse? Can anything good come from church? I had a bad experience in church. I'm not sure if I want to go with you to your church. And what did, what, did, what did Philip say? 
I could have felt bad, right? But he just said, listen, I know your experience. And maybe you went to a church, the LAICC, a long time ago. Things have changed. Just come and see. Just, just come. Philip said, come and see. And that's what we want to create is a come and see church. You don't have to have all the answers. You know, Genesis and all these other things. You, you just say, come and see what our church is about. And people may not agree with what we say on a given Sunday. But they say, you know what? I don't agree with what he said, but I'll be back next Sunday because I, I kind of like what's going on there. And so I want to encourage you, be, be, be bold. And guess, guess what? You're as close to anyone is going to get to Jesus because we're his body. Did you know that? People are never going to have a chance. And that's what they're looking for when they look at a church. They want to see Jesus. They don't want to see a group of angry self-righteous, homophobic people, they want to see Jesus. And that's our responsibility to be that body of Jesus with arms wide open and hearts wide open to show people love, to show people acceptance that, yes, you can change. I was in a state that was not good that long ago. We are the body of Christ. Come and see. That's all you got to tell people. Just come and check it out. Come and see. And I want to encourage you to be bold in your invitations. What's the worst that can happen to you? Are people going to shoot you for inviting you to church? I hope not. I don't think there's been any, you know, anything in the news that somebody got shot because they, but let me tell you about a place in other places in the world. You invite somebody to church other places in the world, and yes, it could cost you your life. A couple weeks ago, they sent a group of college students to, 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 to Lebanon, Beirut, Lebanon. In the, in the Inland Empire, they sent a group of college students in the throes of the Arab Spring. What would that be like? Would you sign up for that? Invitation in hand? Let me invite you to church. What? Yeah, Jesus. Did you say Jesus? Yeah, that's just, it's a real deal. So what's the worst that can happen to you? Here. No, thank you. I'm not interested. Oh, my gosh, that just kills me. Oh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to talk again. I mean, come on. You know, it's not that bad. But let me just paint one other picture. What if you're like Philip and you invite Nathaniel? And Nathaniel has a negative attitude, but you say, come and see. And then, then Nathaniel comes and sees. And what happened in Nathaniel's life? He met Jesus. And he's like, he, he got down on one knee. He said, Lord Jesus, Messiah and follow Jesus because he came and saw. So I want to encourage you to do that. So here we got it. The four things, let's wrap it up. The four things I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to engage, connect, serve, give, and invite. You may be here today and you say, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not going to do any of it. But I'm going to keep coming because my kids like it. My teen likes it. I'm going to keep coming to church. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me have a little talk with you, okay? Let me get my chair. Let me have a little chat. Listen. Listen. Your kids like our church. Why? Because somebody engages with your kids. And you, you won't step forward and serve and help us accomplish a mission that's helping your kids that's helped your marriage survive. Now, some of you have taken a break for a little while because you've done several tours of duty, right? I get that. We all need a break every once in a while. I, I took a little break from preaching last month here. I preached somewhere else, but I took a break here. I get that. Some have been on a break for four, five, six, seven years. You've been on break. You've been on sabbatical. And why? I don't know why. But I want to call into question your relationship with Jesus. This idea that you can just stroll into church and do zip, when you're putting the extra burden and the extra weight on other people so they do it for you, that's wrong. And I know our volunteers, they feel it. 
You know, they don't get to sit with their family on Sunday because they're there back there in the back and they're doing things. They're serving. They miss the service. They're out there in the parking lot in the hot sun. And in the winter, they'll be there, you know, in the, in the rain and everything else. I mean, come on, guys. What would it look like instead of 80% of the work being done by 20? What if we had 80% of the people doing all of the work? What would that look like? And it's all about you stepping forward and engaging our mission. We're on a mission. We don't want to just stop with us. We want other people to have what we have. It's not about numbers. Yes, we want to see our church full. We want to have multiple services. We want to see a lot of people come, but it's about families. It's about people who need what you have. They want to need a relationship with Jesus. And so that's what we need to be. And let me just tell you this. The most important thing you can do and you can be a part of in your whole life other than raising your family and your grandkids is to be a part of the local church. Now, you won't agree with this until you're 70 or 75 years old. You know why? Because the church was here before you were here and it'll be here long after you're here. So you get the opportunity to leave a legacy that's going to outlive you. That's what I want to do. I want my life to carry on. I want my influence and the impact that I, that I get to have and I get to cause for God. I want it to carry on and go forward. So I ask you this week to consider. So to close out and wrap everything up, I'm going to ask one of our members, Eric Benavidu, he's going to come forward and he's going to share with you his story before we take the communion. So come on out, Eric. Hi, I'm Eric Benvenuto, and uh, I'm going to share my testimony with you guys. Um, just a little bit about my past. Uh, when I was growing up, I was raised in a Christian church. Um, I did go to the youth program. I was involved in um, teen camp, our youth camp, and... So, you know, I did believe in God, and I did, um, you know, I, I did have somewhat of a relationship with him. But um, as I got older, I went away from that, and I just started living in sin. Um, you know, I was doing what a lot of teens do in high school and after high school, which was, you know, girls and drinking and smoking and just having a good time and, you know, worrying about myself. But I believe that as long as I believed in God that everything was would be okay and um, you know nothing bad ever really happened to me when I wasn't going to church or I wasn't when I wasn't praying or didn't have a relationship so I figured you know everything was okay and that God you know was still there with me um, however um, when I met my wife uh, we got married and um, not having God in the center of our marriage really affected us uh, we were constantly fighting um, I was working all the time, going to school all the time. My family never saw me. Um, you know, we were just, I was more worried about making money to provide for my family and to make sure we had the best of everything. And so um, another problem was with the fighting, we didn't know how to communicate with each other. So every time we got into an argument, we would um, just start yelling at each other or we would just shut down and we would never solve the problem. And we'd just go to sleep that night wake up the next day and pretend everything was okay. Um, and then the problem would come up again, and again, we would, from holding it in for such a long time, we would just explode again, and it would all happen. Um, eventually, I got tired of it, and, um, you know, I became unfaithful with my wife, um, and we decided to split up for a while. Um, during that time, um, we, we kept in communication with each other and we decided we were going to give it one more shot and we would start off slowly, start talking to each other and see if we could build back what we had. Um, however, um, when, this, when her parents found out, they didn't like that, so they called DCFS on us and DCFS came over um, and took our son away because they um, had false allegations against us and we had to prove them that they were wrong before we can get him back. 
Um, while we were going through the process, we were going through a family re reunification process, which was supposed to be a six-month process, where we start off with monitored visits with our son, then it goes to unmonitored, then weekend stays, I mean overnight, weekend stays, and so on. Um, to put it um, quickly, uh, five months and four social workers later, there was no progress. We did everything that they asked us to do. We were going to counseling, we were going to therapy, and um, they would not call us. We were the ones calling them. We were the ones going into the office to begging to talk to someone to find out what we could do to get our son back. Um, so finally in August, um, we, we were just feeling low. We, all our money was spent because it was going to therapy. Um, we were getting no progress. We got a call from DCFS saying, since no progress had been made, we're going to have to go to court and you're gonna have to take it up with the judge when it was supposed to be a six month process. Um, and, and to top it off, we also got served papers from our son's father saying that he wanted custody of our son. And so we were just in a mess. Um, we were at a low point and we just felt like there was no hope for us and, and, um, and things were falling apart. So um, one day, um, I heard a knock and I thought it was at my door and I went to go check it and I see some people at my neighbor's door and um, I'm like, oh great, people trying to sell something or whatever and so um, sure enough they come to my door and they knock and I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit here, finish watching the Dodger game and you know, they'll go away. Um, but then something inside me said, go open the door. So I went and I opened the door and they're like, oh hi, we're from um, a church down the street and we'd like to take a survey with you. And of course, I was like, uh, I really don't want to take a survey. But again, something inside me said, go ahead, say yes, take the survey. So they asked me a couple questions about God and about heaven and you know, what, I, what I thought it took to get into heaven. And um, that day, I ended up um, accepting Jesus into my heart. And um, so I told my wife about it, and we started going to a church. Um, when we were going to the church, we didn't quite feel like we fit in. Um, we would be there, we would sit by ourselves. Um, a couple people would come up to us and talk to us, but it wasn't anything we felt like we were a part of a group or a part of a family. Um, a couple weeks later, we got another call from DCFS and uh, it was a lady who told me that she was gonna be our new social worker. And in my head, I'm like, great, another social worker, that's five, you know, what, what difference does it make? We're gonna have to go to court anyways. Um, but this lady was like, I wanna have a, a meeting with you at your house today, I wanna do a house visit. And so she came over and somehow we started talking about how we went, we started going back to church and you know, we were looking for somewhere to go and she went out and risked her job and said, you know what, I, I want you guys to come to this church, Lighthouse Church of Christ. I, I feel like you guys would benefit from being there. They're more hands-on and the people there are really friendly. And of course we're like, um, okay, you know, like, what is she trying to get us into? The more hands-on, like, what does that mean? Are they a cult or something? So, um, so we, of course, we, uh, we're like, okay. And so what she did was, on a monitored visit, she picked up our son, she brought him over here, took him to Kids Kingdom while we sat in service. And it just so happened to be that our first service was from Mike when he was doing All In. And that service just hit both me and my wife, like, to the heart. We were just like, oh, man, this is what we need. And uh, after service, she introduced us to Dan Strobel, who, um, well, he's been amazing to us, and him and his wife. And um, from there, because he was so friendly, he wanted to study the Bible with me. And from him, I ended up getting relationships with other people, or me and my wife did, from other married families like uh, Star and Farrell, Ron and Yoli, Jamie and Anna. And um, it, was, it was just amazing to see. Um, so we were studying the Bible, and um, come the end of September, our social worker um, got us our son back before the thing even went to court. So we went from non—I mean, from monitor visits to getting our son back. A couple weeks later, we had our court appointment, and. Um, you know, everyone was telling us they would pray for us and we would get into our small group and pray. And uh, when we went to court, the judge ruled in my wife's favor and um, we got custody of our son, um, primary physical custody of our son. And um, so that also went in our favor. 
And uh, I just, I was um, reading the Bible a week later before my last uh, Bible study, and I came upon uh, Acts twenty-two sixteen, and it says, "And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your si- and wash your sins away, calling on His name." And um, I just, for some reason, just really hit me. You know, like th- this is really meaningful, but you know, what does it mean exactly? Like. You know, I know I don't, I want to be baptized, but, you know, I'm not quite sure. And then a couple days later in my last Bible study, this verse came up again when um, we were doing the study. And so then I was just like, you know what, yes, I'm ready to be baptized. So that Sunday I got baptized and um, just this verse means a lot to me because... (laughs) This verse means a lot to me because... um, it's just amazing to see the relationships that I built and the, the way people went out of their way to make sure that I felt like I was part of a group and I did feel part of a group. I, part of, I felt a part of this church and I felt a part of everybody, about a part of the family. Um, and I also realized the relationship that God had with me and how he never really left my side and how he still loved me and he was still willing to forgive everything that I did and wash away my sins and let me start new. And now um, my wife got baptized a month after me, and now we have a beautiful new baby boy who's the new addition to our family. Uh, we both have great jobs who have God in the center of it, and uh, it's just been a blessing.